The BS Report is a free-flowing conversation that occasionally touches on mature subjects. The BS Report. The BS Report with Bill Simmons. Welcome to the BS Report. We're taping this on a Friday, nine days before the Super Bowl. I think it's running uh, Monday. Our friend Al Michaels, a BS Report Hall of Famer, wearing his King's hat. Yep. Two cups in three years. The I don't colors. think there's going to be a third cup in four years. I'm worried I don't think about that's it. happening. No, you and I both know. I think part of the problem is, I mean, injuries, every team has them. Uh, maybe they're a little bit bored with the regular season. Who can blame them? They're waiting for April. But, you know, the fact that they played 20 games three years ago and then played 26 games last year, and then in the year, the intervening year, I think they played something like uh, 18 games. Yeah, it was like 18. So the three. The three postseasons now, you, you add up all of the games, that's another season. So the Kings, in essence, over the last three seasons have played four. It's impossible to – well, it's not impossible, but it's very hard to go back-to-back in hockey. And I think in football, too. Like, I think if the Seattle does it in the cap era, I would really be impressed by that. And they're one game away. But just the way football works, you win a Super Bowl, guys get paid, assistants sure. leave. Yeah. And there's just a degree of difficulty. I think they have 19 guys in the IR or 20. Well, you think of it this way too. Uh, in, in you know, at least when I was growing up, a dynasty was you'd win seven championships in eight years, or the right. Yankees would win four in a row, or or five, or, in or a the decade. Cardinals would win three in a row, or whatever. That was a dynasty. Now a dynasty is you know you win one and a half. Right. Two. Two is definitely a dynasty. Three I've, is a team for the ages. I battled about this in my column. I, I like a, the right word for it. That's not dynasty. It's almost like regime. The be. Belichick Brady regime. Regime that that is a regime. It's it's literally a regime. Sure. It's like yeah. a presidential regime it is. with with like right. weird stuff going on. And right. Only the family can can, uh, mm. can 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 be in power. What do you think of that? I know you've been talking about that. You're still promoting your book, by the way. You wrote a book called "You Can't Make I This did. Up." We'll I, talk about that later. Hey, uh, listen. I mean, this is not a brag. Yeah. Or, or a, a false modesty, but to see your book on the New York Times bestseller list. Now, you've seen it. It's I mean, great. You, it's you, a great feeling. You did a book, and yours was number one for a while, right? I it mean, was, when, I, yeah, when, when my we, book wound up on the New York Times bestseller list, I went, what? It's great. Who, who did that? And, and, you Plus, know. I can't believe people bought it after they've already heard 90% of the stories <laughs> on the BS report. <laughs> of course they have. Every, You've every told sto- all the stories already. Every, every story in there. That's, but they needed to be in a book. What, you know what that says? Not enough people are listening to the BS report. I know. Because they're out there I, buying the I book I felt now. inadequate. I know. So come on. Let's this get the good. ratings up. It's nice to have a book. Like, it's just nice. It's nice. Like, I see the books I've written. Or, like, we have the Grantland quarterlies that we do. And it's just nice to see them in the bookshelf and be like, oh, yeah. You know, the, there great, it is. the greatest for me, not for you yet, but, you know, you've got kids. Yeah. I've got grandkids. And the reason I actually did the book is I, I started, you know, collecting grandkids, and I'd see these toddlers. Like literally collecting them? Well, like I bottles? Collect, I collected four of them, <laughs> you know, thanks to, to Stephen and Jenny, my son and my daughter, and they each had two and all. And I just started looking at them going, you know, uh, I'll probably, I'm, I'm done sooner than later, mm. uh, and they're not going to remember too much. So let me get something down that uh, they can open up one day and say, hey, that's what Pop Pop did. You had a great game, Ravens-Pats. I did, yep. Which yep. you just keep stumbling into great games. We do. That was a great one. I, I, well, I you, you loved it, right? You were tweeting like I, well, We're going to talk about we'll that, talk yeah. About, of course. We'll talk well, about people everything. were like, you tweeted about it. I was like, Let's, look, yeah. I, I felt like Al kind of maybe, maybe had a gun to his head at one point in the second quarter. But you said that wasn't the case. You know what? The, I'll tell you what happened that night. Please tell All us. Right, here, you go. here comes the whole story. So the game is Saturday at 4.30 in New England. So the Mueller report comes out at about 
noon, one o'clock Eastern. Strategically time, timed on Thursday. Thursday. Right, right when nobody so cares. Thursday, nobody, we didn't know it was coming out. So we're thinking, and, and here's how the decision was made. We, we decide, okay, we're the first game that's going to be played in the National Football League post the release of the Mueller report. In the game are the Baltimore Ravens, who are central to the Mueller report. Coming to the game is the commissioner, Roger Goodell. So let me ask you this question. If we had ignored this, I think— You couldn't have ignored it. No, we couldn't have. I think we would have opened ourselves up to even more criticism. Now, I don't know if you watched the pregame show, but Bob Costas, in the middle of the pregame show, dealt with— the, the essence of the report. I didn't see it because I was throwing right. up because I throw up for every Patriot you, game. Like well, Bill there Russell you go. So you're in the bathroom, but Bob actually yeah. talked about basically the same thing that I did. So this wasn't a case of somebody saying you have to do it. This was a, a collaboration of our, of, of our key production people basically saying we have to address this, mm. mainly because Roger – was going to be there that night, and we had to take a shot of So Roger the NFL Goodell. didn't say to you guys, you guys have to, to no. Roger's there, no. show him and talk about no, this. No, no, no. They, they basically, look, when, when Goodell's at a game, he's almost always shown uh, whatever game he is he's uh, attending, especially under these circumstances. So this was a case where I really felt, and again, I had 30 seconds or less to jam in some facts. Right. And and that's basically all I did at that point. So, hey, the, the Mueller report came out. Here's the essence of it. And I know one of the things, look, if you if, if people have this tremendous animus toward Roger Goodell, they don't want to believe the report. They think he's a liar and they think Mueller's a liar for saying that Roger wasn't a liar. So we weren't going to go there. But I at least had to say, hey, here he is. The report came out. Here's what it said. Look, they didn't absolve the league. But Mueller did say that Goodell did not lie about seeing the tape. Now, Chris came in on the back end and said something about, you know, he, he believes he's an honorable man. Right. I know he took some heat for it. But that was the essence of it. One of the hardest things for us, Bill, in, in the play-by-play and analyst role where the game is going on, we don't have three, four minutes. We don't have a column to sit there and examine every aspect right. of it. we got to get in and, and got to get out. And that's, that's what happened that night. I mean, just watching it live, it felt like you were rushing through it. Yeah. Well, I was rushing through it basically because the play was going to start. Because the football game is about to start. The football game is about to start. It's, believe me, it's the toughest thing in being in the play-by-play role. I have a lot of things I'd love to say. I'm not avoiding certain things, but shoot, between second and six and third and four, I don't have a lot of time. And you have to remember 100 and 70 well, apart, numbers. You know, apart from How that. many that's numbers? The, that's the easy part. You know, it's funny. Yeah, it, but you're it, like a freak, though, with that. I don't understand. You, you, the best play-by-play guys, you just can sink in all these numbers and then just forget them immediately after the game. Yeah, we, we do. Yeah, and, and you have to. But uh, it's funny. In football, you know, you have to identify the guy by the numbers. You have 22 guys going 114 different directions. In all the years I did baseball, I couldn't tell you who the num- what the numbers were of the guys playing on my team. Right. You would just recognize them. You have a pitcher and a batter, and you know they're they're all separated. So that's that's easy. Football's a different deal. But then again, remember, you know the linemen look a little different than the the receivers do or the sure. running back. Or certainly, you know the quarterback. So uh, it's not as hard as it, it seems in terms of trying to memorize everything. But you still I'm sorry, hate, your name again? You, <laughs> you still hate Julius Thomas and Demarius Thomas for doing the eighty eighty eight, yeah, well, having I, almost the exact same body thing. Uh, I was confused by that ninety times this season. I'm not crazy about that. But the worst thing of all 
and I guess it's the same situation in this year's Pro Bowl. I did the Pro Bowl last year, okay. you know, where some marketing yuppies mm. tell the league, hey, look, let's go get these crazy uniforms. And I had, you couldn't see anything last year. Zero. I did the game in Hawaii, and, you know, I'm. So you had to do the Johnny Most when Johnny Most with the Celtics played the Russians. Like, over do? the guy, over the tall oh, guy, oh, the tall over guy. the short guy. I love it. Over the darker guy. It. So what would you do differently if you had to do that that uh, Goodell thing again? The Goodell thing again? I'm not sure I, I could do anything differently. I mean, if, if you have 20 to 30 seconds right. to get out the essence of the report, I don't know. I don't know. You know, look, I know we took a lot of grief for it. I understand that. But these days, no matter well, people what people love say, you, like America's grandfather. I Thank you very much. I'm more like America's father. Well, Come you've on. been, you've, yeah. Well, like, America's father. America, yeah. you're, you're America's father. <laughs> what's, what's between father and grandfather, right? America's youngest grandfather, right? <laughs> you know, I look. My disappointment just watching it was yeah. that I felt like the NFL was spinning a certain version mm-hmm. of what the Mueller report. Mm-hmm. Um, said. Get it right, by the way. Mueller. Mueller. Okay, right. Mueller, Mueller. Have we ever decided it's definitely it's Mueller. Mueller? It's definitely okay. Mueller. Mm-hmm. So, in the FBI, I remember that very well. When they did the Mueller report, right. initially, when they assigned him to do it, it was basically to find out what the hell happened with this whole thing. Right. And then when it came out, it was like, so the Mueller report came out and it proved that Roger didn't see the video. And it's like, well, I have a whole bunch of other questions I'd like to find out answers for. And one of them was he sent a memo to all the owners on, I think, September 10th saying, you know, we've tried to get all the tapes from law enforcement. And then in the Mueller report, buried in there, it's like, no, actually, he didn't. He didn't ask for any of the tapes. Mm. So that was the stuff that I felt like I kind of yeah. swept under the rug. But, well, when you have 30 seconds. Right. A, I mean, you, you need you need a whole show to bring everything to the fore. To the fore. And, and that's one thing. You know, for instance, ESPN, they can have 18 guys go back and forth <laughs> and for two have, hours. And right. And you have it because you've got 19 million channels. But when you're doing 30 seconds, there's not a heck of a lot of, of space in there for you. What was interesting about the reaction, though, was it was like people were just convinced, myself included, yeah. Yeah. that you guys were being made to do something. I know they were. Which I was like, wow, we've yeah. really yeah. reached a strange yeah. point in the NFL yeah. that yeah. – that- so, somebody, somebody said they felt that uh, I was reading a hostage video. Yeah. Now, from time to time, we, we do have to read certain things. For instance – uh, in Philadelphia, about three years ago, there was this big push to make Lincoln Financial Field the greenest stadium in America. Oh. Okay, you know, and we're going to do this, and we've got windmills and whatever, and we're going to use the sixty-five percent less energy. and And I was kind of put into a position where we had to we had to do a thing, and I narrated like a piece of tape for forty seconds. And um, it's it's one of those things where I'm never comfortable doing that because it's. It sounds like it's written, which it is, and hey, whatever they're doing, great. Who cares? Uh, they want to be environment, environmentally sound. That's great. But, but there was a way for me to get out of that. And what I did at the end of that is I, I said to Collinsworth, I said, Chris, you know, you would think there's enough hot air coming out of this booth that we could power the whole stadium, right? So you make a, a joke right, of it at the end. But with something like this, it was it was difficult, very difficult to make a joke of it at the end of it. Well, it turned out to be the second most exciting non-Super Bowl of Pat's game of the Brady Belichick era. Right. I would say one of the best football games you've ever done. Well, right? it's, it's going to be in the short list. Well, when you when you yeah, not I, counting I mean, it's, Super Bowls. It, well, it's on the list of, you know, of, of of great games because how often would you see uh, a 14 nothing lead erased and then the Patriots tie it only to now fall behind 28 to 14. 
to have them come back and tie it. And then the only time they have the lead is at the end of the game. And then you've got, of course, you know, the Vereen ineligible play, which, by the way, I thought my production crew did a phenomenal job on. And I'll tell you how that happened. Because when, when teams are lining up these days, first of all, I look down the line. I don't even who I don't know who's on the line anymore. Right. You know, the flanker is here, and the splendid is here, and then they reverse, and then wow, and then the linemen are fanned out. They they had a point of emphasis a few years ago where they wanted the tackles up on the line. Now they're back fanned out again. You look down the line, you don't know who's who. So I'm thinking if you're the defense, you really don't know who's who. Now all of a sudden you got Vereen coming into the game, who's normally going to be a receiver, and he's going to be in the slot, but he's ineligible. In effect, he's going to be the tackle. So you can't spot this the minute it happens. And they're always having guys come in and, and report as eligible, like Shoulder did the other day yeah. when he caught the touchdown pass. So we saw when Harbaugh was so mad, that was a very interesting penalty that he took too, but that was a, a harmful penalty in really light helpful. of when it was taken. I mean, for, for John to take that penalty. So right in the second it happened in the truck, Fred Gadelli starts looking with you know the, the tape operators. What was he so crazed about? And we were able to find it. You can see Vinovich say to whomever, hey, this guy is ineligible, which is crazy to begin with in the heat of the moment. So our guys were on top of it. We were able to figure out uh, exactly what that was. So I was, was uh, I was very proud of the boys in the in the truck. They they did a great job that night. Well, how about Collinsworth, Tremendous. who has this supernatural ability to see all twenty two people at the same time, which I don't understand. I don't either. Um, Let me tell you something. He could announce the game, coach the game, and officiate the game at at the same time. At the same time, yeah. but he missed the formation initially. Well, for him to miss one, it's like no wonder well, the Ravens were confused. So Collinsworth missed it. But yeah, think, but think about this: How often will you see Vereen line up as an ineligible tackle? Right. And again, you go back to how the slot guy lines up and the outside guy lines up, and you know they're lined up a half a yard. I didn't a, know what was going on either. Part in terms of you know going da- looking yeah. down the line. Whoa! Well, we never throw to that guy, the 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 third string tight end. Right. So you knew something. Like, how is that guy so well, open? Mama that guy, Louis, yeah, sure. that yeah. guy hasn't been open all season. Right. And he's open by twenty yards. So yeah. I knew something happened, but I I couldn't you, figure it well, out. Well, you got that play. Then you got you know the Edelman pass to Amendola. Uh, which was crazy. The loudest Gillette's been, supposedly. Well, right, right. So Gillette's uh, not very loud. Who's not? Like Gillette. Gillette? Not, not one of your favorites. Uh, it can get loud. What's yeah. your favorite stadium right now? My favorite stadium right now would be... For you, for atmosphere and noise and just getting charged up to be at the game. Kansas City's pretty crazy. It really is. Lamb- oh. Lambo, Lambo's crazy, too. I mean, Lambo, we all know about Lambo and it's the history and the iconic players and it's in Green Bay and it's great. Um, but Kansas City's a college atmosphere. Yeah. Everybody dresses in red. You've got the you know the 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 barbecue going out in the parking lot. The way the wind blows. The, mm. I've, I've always said it's the best smelling stadium in the world because you know you hear the barbecue. It smells like wafting, wafting. You know, it's wonderful. <laughs> I'll tell you what I love. I love Dallas. I, some people think it's over the top. I like Dallas. Spectacular. I'm in. It's it's, it's like the best stadium, nothing like it's yeah. the best stadium in the world. It is it is the best stadium. You feel like you're in Japan built. or somewhere like or like it's, in what Japan a Japan football stadium in a movie yeah. would be like this stadium. Right. I, it's phenomenal. I guess. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I've never sat upstairs. I, I suppose if you do, 
it's much easier to watch the game on the, on the on the top. Well, because you're, it's in front of you. So, but maybe that's not a bad thing because the games are better on television than they are live. I've heard Cleveland's great, but you probably haven't done a Cleveland, Cleveland game yeah, in been, like I've fifteen years. It's a good stadium. It's a really good. Seattle's. Be, come on, you haven't done a Cleveland game. When was we, yeah, we did a Cleveland, Cleveland game. game. I'll tell you what, we did at a Cleveland. Cleveland? Game. Yes, we did a game. It was Pittsburgh at Cleveland. It was nineteen eighty-eight. Nah, it was nineteen. It was two thousand. <laughs> I'll tell you what it was. It was the year that oh, Roethlisberger, we had Pittsburgh at Cleveland. Roethlisberger comes into the meeting the day before the game and tells us he has a separated shoulder. We went, what? So, of course, we opened up, and he hadn't told anybody else. Yeah. So now the Pittsburgh press is crazy with us because we revealed it the next night. I was working with John Madden, so it had to be, you know, 07, oh, yeah. 08. And uh, we come on there and we say, Ben's playing with a separated shoulder. So that was the last time that, you know, Ben was always pretty forthright, and then Ben yeah. began he began to tie it down a little bit after that because I think Tomlin said, you don't want anybody to know you're playing with a separated shoulder if indeed you are. But you guys always, and it's not just your team, but I've always noticed the announcing crew in the big games always has like two or three tidbits. Yeah. That I always feel like if I was the on the other team, I would be have I would assign somebody to the telecast. To, and Collinsworth goes, "Well, they said they wanted to test this guy all night, and then mm-hmm. run back to the mm-hmm. thing." Collinsworth just Teams said they want to test twenty nine. They, they must, might. you know, but they they can probably figure it out too. I mean, I don't think there are too many secrets. Even if we're told something, uh, I don't think the other team has a hard time figuring it out. Who's the fairly who, quickly? I might have asked you this already, but I don't remember the answer. Who is the single best interview? Who's the one that you're like, oh, we got – like what coach or player where you're like, oh, this guy, this is going to be so much fun? Well, well we, we used to bring Brett Favre into the room. And yeah. people it would mock John Madden for you know loving How Favre, much Favre, and, Favre and all that. But Favre was always interesting. Peyton Manning will always teach you something. Hmm. I mean, Peyton Manning sees everything. He knows every player in the game upside down, backwards, forwards. It could be, you know, the, the number 10 defensive back, upside down, backwards, forwards. He is phenomenal in that regard. What do you think I, about I, him as – oh, go ahead. You know, I'm just, but, you know, you know, Richard Sherman is fantastic. I love – when we have Sherman in the room, he's a smart kid. Yeah. He, you know, I know a lot of people think he's over the top. Everybody thinks about that interview last year with Aaron Andrews after the NFC Championship game. He is smart and sharp and gets it and is a lot of fun. There's two Richard Shermans, I'm convinced. Could be. There's the you mad bro guy who mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. acts like an ass mm-hmm. in the field and is mm-hmm. over competitive. And then yeah. there's like the guy who's like, yeah. Yeah. you know, he's going to have a huge media career after he yeah. retires. Oh, tremendous. Would he, Peyton would be an amazing color guy, I feel like. I think he'd be very, very good. I feel yeah. like that's his destiny. Uh, that's a, you know, I don't know. If I, I were him, that's what I would do. I think Collinsworth has a nice life. If I'm Manning, I look at Collinsworth, I'm like, that would be cool. Yeah. Not well, to well, take Collinsworth's job. No. You know what I mean? Like, well, that would be cool. Do games, get better at it. Peyton would be a very good businessman, too. He may want to you know, branch out and, and go into, into, into businesses. But he's smart enough to know he needs some sort of on-camera exposure uh, to keep his brand run. Magic maybe. Johnson was always smart with that. Magic stayed yeah. on the TV show because he knew it was good for him. Yeah, yeah. I, but I'm not, I, I don't know. I mean, with Peyton, it'll be very interesting to see what he does. You know, sometimes you can take a year off from that role, too, where you step away, you reassess where your life is. I know one thing about Peyton. Um, he was out here about two years ago. I, I guess it was right after his first year with Denver. And uh, we had dinner and uh, with our wives. And he spent the whole dinner asking me about the broadcasting business. How does this happen? How does that happen? How would this work? So he was – he's already – 
not that he'd already decided that this was what he was going to do, but you know what he wanted to do? He wanted to collect and process all of the information that he could. He wanted to know everything about how it worked. Yeah, I'm not so surprised that if he, if by he that. did it, yeah, I mean, he's he he was gonna he was like you know this was he was uh, examining a, a laboratory rat. He wanted to open it up and see what's going on. And I remember when he hosted S- when he hosted SNL, I think he was like that too. He was like, "What are you doing yeah. there? Who's that guy?" Like he's right. just one of those guys. I think mm-hmm. he's naturally he has to, right. He has to look uh, at the underside of things and how does this work? You know, what part is connected to what part? What does this person do? Uh, that, he'll be very very good at that. If that's what he, he decides should. to do. I hate when people say I think he should retire because it should be up to the person. Yeah, me too. With that said, I don't think he can play five straight months anymore. And whether you jigger the schedule so that he misses the first two months and then just plays November, December, January, I mean, maybe that's the way his body, it's like Kobe Bryant. These guys, their body, they have a shelf life. It's a car. It's 150,000 miles in the odometer or whatever it is, and that's it. Well, I think everybody's got a shelf life. We know that. So sooner or later – Everybody's done. I think with Peyton, I felt, you know, after watching him in the um, Indianapolis game where he looked not not at all like Peyton Manning, had a rough time down the stretch. We knew he was hurt. We didn't know what it was. Was it the quad? Was it whatever it was? And I just felt, without knowing anything specifically, Bill, I just felt that I think what he will probably do is rest, get examined, see how he feels maybe at the end of March or April – if he's healed up from whatever it was that was ailing him during the season, then go out, see how he throws, see how his body feels. Because he was working like crazy. We had him uh, yeah. three times earlier this year, and his regimen was tr- unbelievable. What he was doing to make sure that you know the neck and the back and all the stuff that he had done would be in, 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 in tip-top shape and in fine working order – and he did have a really good first part of the year. He did. I mean, there he was again. I mean, he's throwing three touchdown passes a game, so he he can still play. So, I think a lot of it with Peyton will be. And again, this is just me assessing what I think is happening. I'll, I'll think he'll, he'll want to see where he is physically, let's say in April, and then make the decision then. I don't know what would drive him at this point, other than the titles, and if he feels like he can't get to the level where he could actually win somebody a title. I don't know. He could make the money on the side. The money's not a thing for him, I don't think. Look, it's the titles, obviously, but you know what it is too, Bill? It's this is what he does. I mean, the relevance, it's, it's, yeah. it's well, it's like taking, but but I mean, for a Brady or for him, and and, for, and that's why I think Favre had so much trouble deciding, you know, when he would retire. Mm. It happens to almost anybody, especially if you're still pretty good at what you do. I mean, if you know you can still do it. It's like telling Van Gogh, I'm taking your brushes away. And Van Gogh says, hey, wait a second, I can still paint. I'm still pretty good. You know, maybe I'm not painting, you know, $10 million portraits. Maybe I'm still doing like $8 million portraits. But don't take my brushes away. And I think a lot of these guys now realize that, you know, in their mid to late 30s, this is about as exciting a thing as you can do. They're playing professional mm. football at the highest level. And this, of course, would cross over to any sport. I mean, any guy who's playing at the top level in any sport, how are you going to recreate that thrill? Now, you can do a lot of different things in your life. Broadcasting, whatever. You can become a billionaire hedge fund guy. Who knows? But I don't think you can you can uh, compete with the thrill you get playing professional sports and then on top of that, you know, winning the big games. Well, think about how many boxers came back for five more mm-hmm. fights than they should have for that reason. Yeah, well, a lot of them came back for money. Yeah, a lot of those guys, they needed the, 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 the dough. 
Nobody nobody gets uh, ruined more than boxers with what, they, sure. what their paycheck was versus what they actually got out of the paycheck. You must think about this stuff, though, sometimes. you got four grandkids. You're still at the top of your game. But you must think, like, are you? do you ever think about this sign will be a sign that maybe I should start thinking about the end game? Like, I missed this. I forgot this. Is that in the back of your head ever? Well, two things are in the back of my head. One is health. Which is out of my hands, basically. But you're traveling every single weekend well, yeah, for 20 but unfortunately, weeks. Unfortunately, look, yeah. I wake up some mornings uh, and I feel like I'm like 22 years old. And there's a chapter in my book called The Rascal. You know, where I'm, I've got that rascal's always been in me. I still, yeah. you know, I'm still the rascal. Yeah. So that's still there. I think if there's a telltale sign, it would be I can't do the game the way I want to do the game. Uh, so what does that I, mean? It means I'm, I go to the game and it's like it's not coming to me as fast as it. As it used to. Right. And or I'm missing stuff. And, you know, I'll, I'll walk away and go, oh, man, what, you know, how did I miss that? How did I miss this? That never used to happen. But you're uh, not even close to that yet. I hope not. You know, I haven't I, noticed anything. Well, I'm I, watching. I, I hope not. I mean, I, when I go to the game and, you know, I, I've got those three hours and I know how to get to those three hours. I'm prepared and, you know, work with a fantastic crew, you know, Chris and Michelle and, and the truck is unbelievable. Um yeah, I've got my support system is phenomenal, so I'm locked into the game. But if I can't, you know, there, there will come a day where it just doesn't come as quickly. Well, you're smart though. You aligned yourself with good partners the last few years oh, too. Oh my you god! You went from Madden to Collinsworth. Thirteen years with Madden and Collinsworth. Yeah, I mean, that's great. It's, it's it's better than great. It's better. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that when you. Think I mean, about you're, it. you're. This is an awkward thing to say because you can just nod, but you because you. There's a whole code of honor with with broadcasters, but Collinsworth's way better than any other color guy. So do, you don't have to say anything. I'm just going to say it, and you don't have to say anything. Well, but the things that he notices during a game are unparalleled. Nobody is on the level of him. Like the, the play just happened. He's like, watch! Oh my god, the left guard! Watch this! Watch this left guard on this! But yet the next play would be like, oh, the free safety. He took such a bad angle on, and I'm like, how the hell did he see that? It's magic. Yeah. You're, I'm, look, I'm amazed. I'm sitting next to him. I'm amazed. I'm going, wait a minute. How the hell did he see that? And and then he was able to foretell a game-ending sack in the San Diego Warriors game about yeah. two or three years ago. Yeah. He could tell. He goes, if they don't get Gaither some was, help. That's Gaither, what it was. Jumping Gaither. For San Diego, this game is going to end on a sack. Bang. How'd the yep. game end on a sack? Now he see, That's why I think, you know. As I said, he could broadcast the game. He could coach the game. And he could officiate the game. He knows the rules inside out. You know what's interesting? Nobody in basketball can do that because where they put you on the court, it's yeah. impossible to see the, the court well enough. Because I've actually yeah. done games from that seat. Yeah. It's great. You can hear stuff. You're right next to the people. But you don't actually have a feel for the game. And the monitors are small. And it's it would be True. really hard to just pick stuff out and be like, yeah. I saw what happened and this guy missed that pick. And yeah. so you just it takes a while almost to adjust. And it's a bad angle and you're always turned yeah. one way or the other. I, I think it would almost be better to broadcast an NBA game from like 15 rows high midcourt. Yes and no. I mean, when I did the NBA, I, I, I always thought about that. Would it be better – have, so what were the advantages from being close? The well, you kind of feel what's going on, and you can hear a lot of stuff. Right. That was that's big. And look, there's some stuff you couldn't see. I, the, the problem I had, and it took me a year and a half to figure this out, is that if you're looking at it live with all of the bodies in front of you, mm. and it's obscured, and there's action underneath the basket, you know, you 
on television, you can see what's happening. So if you would look down at the monitor? Yeah, so now I had, a, I had to figure out how to do that. It took me a while to, you know, because I wanted to see it live. Because it's, it's, it's a very interesting dynamic in basketball because you can see a lot of stuff live that you can't see on TV, but there's a ton of stuff you can see on TV that you can't see live. And to me, one of the things that an, an announcer has to do is relate to what the fan is seeing on the monitor. Mm. So if I do a football game, for instance, I have the monitor directly in front of me, but I can look over the top of the monitor at the field. And I want to see with the naked eye, you know, when a team breaks the huddle, which you might not see on television, who's going where. But I never want to really have my eyes away from the monitor itself. At least I can look down. Because if I see like a shot change, I look immediately to the monitor, knowing knowing that the people at home are seeing something else. So and I've got to be aware of that. Standing and you're or standing or you're either sitting. I can be on a stool and just kind of like you know. But I, the way I position myself is just I can look over the top of the monitor. So I mean, my, I don't mm-hmm. have to move my head at all. My eyes can just drop, see the monitor, or or, or lift up and, and see see the field. So and and that's how I, I I set it up. So I you know I try not to to miss too much. And baseball's the easiest. Baseball's easy. Yeah, well, sure. Because <laughs> yeah. it's so freaking slow. Right. Well, because because there's, there's the action only takes place every twenty seconds or so. And hockey, I would think, would be. It's Hockey's almost tough. like you you just have to have a rhythm. It's like a different yeah. form of an. It's almost like you're playing yep. music or something. Well, Emmerich the, just does like he's just talks like they, he just uh, right never Hockey, stops. Hockey's, hockey's so tough. I think radio hockey's the toughest of all. Because, really? Well, I'll tell you why. Because number one, in in hockey, there's so little scoring. I mean, the, the final score might be two to one. In basketball, the final score is you know 110 to 106. So in basketball, uh, and also a team has possession in basketball. And if they lose possession, then the other team has possession. The ball doesn't go back and forth, back and forth like each team has possession for two seconds. Yeah. In hockey, that happens. You know, a team's poked trying, away, poked, poked away, away back to get right, the puck. Right. Who's got it? In what zone? So, in hockey, is a very hard game for you to see in your mind's eye if you're listening on radio. Because the puck is going back and forth so much, and it's it's at center ice, and then it's it's dumped in along the boards, and who has it? Basketball, you can you can figure it out in, in, in your in your mind, you know, so-and-so is 25 feet out, he has it on the baseline, hockey's different. So I, I, the guys who do hockey on radio, it's tremendous. Hockey on television is very much like hockey on radio because you, you're almost doing as much as you do on radio. I guess that's the way it, it, it almost has to work because somebody, you know, nobody has the puck for, you know, more than – Five or six, four seconds or five seconds, unless you're Drew Doughty's going the yep. length of the ice. But that doesn't happen very often. I mean, the puck is always off one stick and onto somebody else's stick. Have you done soccer? I have not. It's so funny. You know. So what's what's left on your bucket list? Soccer, Bill, re- professional wrestling? So I, I get asked by people now, well, you've done uh, the NBA, the finals and World Series, Super Bowls, Olympics, et cetera, et cetera. So what's left? You know, Kentucky Derby. Motorcycles on ice. Oh, yeah, you all told this, me the Kentucky all, Derby was on your list. Kentucky. Oh, I've, well, I've done the, I did the, I, I've done the Indy Five Hundred. I've done the Derby. I've, no, I've had, I've done all of these. Oh, you've done the Derby. I've done them. Yeah. What was the one you hadn't done that was on your list? There was nothing. There was one big one. Maybe years ago. No, but I mean, somebody said. But recently, people have said to me, "What about soccer? You know, the World Cups become so big. Wouldn't you want to do the World Cup? And that would kind of complete the whole, you know, uh, resume." And I said, well, I said, let me put it to you this way. I've never been to a soccer game in my life. 
So can you imagine me breaking in on the World Cup? Yeah. How do you think that would sound? If you do an MLS game in February. <laughs> I would I would end my career by doing a soccer game. <laughs> and pro wrestling a, get that bum out of there. Pro wrestling you could do. Oh, sure. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Ask McMahon. It, you could do like the Intercontinental title match or something. When Gorgeous George comes back, I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we should mention you're doing uh, NBC Boxing. I'm hosting it. Yeah, it came out originally. Oh, you're, you're just ho- you're not play by play. Yeah, we're, they'll announce a blow by blow announcer, but uh, Sugar Ray Leonard is going to be a part of it. Uh, NBC. Why wouldn't you do play by play? I don't well, understand. Geez, I haven't done. My it feelings are hurt. The, we're going to get a guy uh, who's going to. How about the we'll, guy should we'll, be named Al Michaels? No, no, we, we, we're going to have a really good blow by blow announcer. Who's gonna no, be you just want to rest on Hagler Hearns and the laurels of Hagler Hearns. <laughs> there you go. Well, why not? You can't top it. Why not? I can't top it. That's exactly right. <laughs> like I'm out. Which, which I'm out. I haven't done very much hockey since 1988. Right. Right. I mean, that's it. So it's, it's kind of a, a, a one and done thing. No, I, I I had done a ton of boxing. Uh, I remember after Cosell had. Stepped away from it. And then, then I stepped away from boxing because I, I was doing football and baseball. And I thought sports. Alex Wallow's ego was just too big. I, that wasn't it. Alex Wallow is – he was Alex Wallow, who you <laughs> know is, he just is, became a, is just my too, dearest friend. And know. you've known Alex for a million years. That, Alex, you you could have gone with that. Alex we was the been best funny. boxing analyst who ever, ever lived. Ever. ever. Yeah. When I mean, you talk about Chris Collinsworth, Alex Wallow was the Chris Collinsworth. A boxing analyst. He was so good. He saw everything. Nobody knew who he was. And right. Everyone agreed he was the best. Nobody knew how he got Insane. there. It was Insane. like, where'd they get this guy? Bill, at one point, don't forget what his what his business card read. Alex Swallow, boxing analyst slash president ABC Television Network. <laughs> Think that, about that. That should almost be a 30 for 30 short. Yeah, of course. But there you a go. A network executive who's go. also the lead boxing yeah. guy at, at the network. All right. If it's not worth a 30 for 30, make it a 15 for 15. You know, <laughs> we'll do a half a show out of this. Um <laughs> I got to ask you about you're doing the Super Bowl, right? I hope this is going. Yeah, well, I got to. Might just be a forfeit. I've got to get to Phoenix. <laughs> then I'll do. Yeah, next. Well, it might just week. be Seattle. Just might be handed the trophy and the game gets canceled. Right. But yeah. the game, I think, is going to happen. I have a feeling it's going to be the most highly rated Super Bowl ever. I think this all of the stuff that's happened this week has driven so much more interest into the whole Brady Belichick everything. I can't imagine there being a higher rated Super Bowl. You know, I look back to the uh, 2008 season. We had that that game. It was Arizona against Pittsburgh yep. in Tampa. And remember, the Cardinals had lost 50 to nothing to New England in December. Uh, uh, kid Chris Collinsworth to this day, he, he'd gone on a pregame show and said, this is the worst team to ever get to the playoffs. And then they rolled through Atlanta in the wild card, beat Carolina, knocked off Philadelphia. And now here they are. They are in the Super Bowl. And I love, you know, Dick Ebersole was my boss at that time, ran NBC Sports, and Dick was morose the day after the game. And he calls me up and he says, Oh, no, you know. I said, I said, Dick, would you stop it? I said, On Super Bowl Sunday, I said, Do you think anybody wakes up and the husband says to the wife, Hey, Zelda, the Arizona Cardinals are playing in the Super Bowl today. Let's go to the movies. No, what are you talking about? Right. It's, it's an unofficial national holiday. It is. People, you know, gather, they have parties, whatever. It's the only thing to really do that day. I guess you could go to the movies if you want to. Meanwhile, the ratings come out. First of all, the Arizona-Pittsburgh Super Bowl may have been the best of the Super Bowl. Sports Illustrated had it the next week as the best of the, uh, at that point, 43 Super Bowls. The game was phenomenal. James Harrison's interception run back. Santonio Holmes making that catch. Larry Fitzgerald giving Arizona the lead. You know, it looked like the Cardinals are going to win the Super covering. Bowl. Arizona covering. Got the whole thing going on. All this crazy stuff. The game ending. Kurt Warner trying to th- yeah. throw a Hail Mary. And... Uh, 
it, the ratings came out. It was the highest rated show in the history of American television. It was. It was the highest rate. Now, that's been superseded. I would not have guessed that. That's been, that's been exceeded now by, you know, like three, the next, three of the next five Super Bowls or whatever. The Super Bowl will always be gigantically rated. Now, will this add some viewership? I don't know. I mean, I think anybody who's going to watch the Super Bowl is going to watch it anyway. Well, will this, well, I would actually, will the more I'm thinking about it, added? I don't know. 19 and 0 Pats is probably the peak for Fantastic. a Super Bowl storyline. But. This one pulls in like people like my mom who wouldn't normally care. Really, are now interested in this whole Brady Belichick. Did he? Did they lie? Thing is now a thing. That's so, like a thing that people who don't care about football are talking about. So would she not have watched it? Were not for this? I think she she'd would. Be in the she'd kitchen, be more. Right? In, she, she, she'd she'd be probably in the making meatballs. Right, making meatballs and. But now she's much more would be well she'd be more invested because it's the Patriots and she wants me to be happy. But yeah, there you go. The Patriot fans are pretty traumatized now. A lot of them are moving into the defiant fu mode with right. this whole thing. Yeah, and then there's people like my dad who are just like, just like I was just so fired up for these two weeks, and now all we're hearing about is deflated footballs, and all I wanted to hear everyone was talk about was how great Tom Brady yeah. is and how great Bill Belichick is, and now it's the opposite. Well, that can, be, a that can be deflating. Yeah. I think the, deflating, no pun intended. Right, no, no pun intended. Uh, was it Dan Shaughnessy who wrote a piece? Was it yesterday or today? I thought I saw something about, hey, this is this is serious because no matter what happens, there's a, 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 a legacy that gets tarnished. No, no matter question. what comes out of the the investigation, he, he might be right. Look, he's got he's he's got the, his finger on the pulse of what's going on in in Boston. You know, look, I can't let I, you say that on this podcast. That that what that Dan Shaughnessy is the finger on the pulse. Well, I have but, to interrupt you. All right, well, hold on a second. He's but, he's the master of of darkness. Well, but maybe maybe that is having the finger on the pulse. Maybe because let me tell you something. <laughs> maybe that is the yeah, pulse. Maybe that is the pulse well, of Boston. the dark night. Then. Bill, we went in there. Don't forget, week five. Yeah. So what happens in week four this year? Oh yeah, you went in after right. the Brady Belichick so, dynasty so was over. Miami Miami beats. New England, right in the opener. Tough then, second yeah, half. Then, then they, yeah, then they, you know, they, they win the second game. They barely beat Minnesota they, they, with they no bar- Peterson. Right, with no Peterson, barely beat Oakland. That was trouble. That game went couldn't went, really went right block Oakland. I mean, Oakland was a terrible team at that time. Couldn't block. Go into Kansas City on a Monday night and get destroyed. Okay, so we have the game the next week, and you know, I've been look for years. I've been doing stuff in New York, Philadelphia, the towns where people are unbelievably passionate, and the the newspapers go crazy. I'm reading this stuff. I'm going, I can't believe I'm reading that. Belichick has lost it. You know, the organization is finished. They don't know how to draft uh, anymore. Free agency is a disaster. And Brady's done. Garoppolo needs to start. These are the stories. These Gar- are the, there the, was the some stories. Garoppolo momentum. Right. There was. So now we, so how, this is so crazy that when I went on uh, a show with uh, Felger, I guess, and Mass. Felger and Mass. Right, I, I'm ne- on, so negative I'm, show, but I right, like those I'm, guys. I'm, I'm, I'm on that show uh, the day before, I think, the Baltimore-New England playoff game. And they're still giving me crap that for Chris and, and, and myself giving crap to the newspapers and, the, and, and talk radio because they were going crazy about the, the Patriots. So I said, guys, hold on a second. Did your team not go from 2-2 two and two and the sky wasn't wasn't all, uh, even falling. The sky had completely collapsed right. to nine and two. What what happened along the way there? Yeah. How'd you win seven games in a row? That's that's the that's the Boston DNA. Of course, the sky it is. is falling DNA. It's of, just, of, of course, it it's is. a cold weather city thing. I think 
combined with a big city well, thing. Philly can be that way too. Philly's like that. Well, New York, New York, New York gets as like well. that. New York can be that way too. Um, it's yeah. just the way. You know, I, but, I never thought of that. You made an interesting point here. Well, but but so the Boston, the, the Red Sox DNA plus the cold weather sure. has created the DNA for how. Well, yeah, but the people D- always think the worst case scenario that we've won nine titles or something. Right, in the last but the, 12 D- years. the DNA has changed. Yeah. I mean, it's at it a certain hasn't. point. I don't even remember the Red how many Sox. Titles I understand the Red Sox DNA, but all of a sudden, the Red Sox—that's a dynasty. Right. Well, the, it's just this the, rug's going to get pulled out of us kind of DNA. The rug is the rug is going to get pulled out I'm, of every I team. I mean, there are 32 teams that compete for the Lombardi Trophy. At some point, the rug gets pulled out of underneath 31 of them. Well, that's There's only what, one that wins the trophy. But that's what we should be talking about this week is what Belichick and Brady and company just did for the last – since 2003 to basically win 10 or more games every single year and win right. 11 of 12 AFC East titles and – Make six Super Bowls. Yeah. I don't know if we see that again. Not in the salary cap era, not with football, and and it's just too easy to get hurt and how up and down everything is. I just think I don't know if we see it again. I'm not sure you will either. I mean, the the what, league is constructed for that not to happen. Right, right. Well, maybe there'll be an organization that does get everything right with the owner and the coach and the players, and and maybe the, there'll, there'll be some good runs. Well, think about it though. Top five coach ever. Arguably top three, you could even make a case for right. top one. Right. In the top order. five QB ever. Right. You can make a case for top three. You can make right. a case for top one. Right. And those guys come in at the exact same time. Right. So that's that's the first thing you would need to happen. And an owner who facilitates this. Right. Uh, who's able to put this all together and and who's and, been very and, conspicuous the and, last and, few and, days? Right. Or inconspicuous. Incons- well, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, he's. Hey, uh, we'd Bob, like to have Bob, heard from him. He can't be very happy about this. No, this no. is this is tough. And you're right. I think a lot of this has to do with, hey, this should be a glorious time for the league. In a year that, you know, the league would love to forget, obviously, on a number well, of It's really levels. the fitting in for this terrible season, I, right? I, I, I this is the exclamation point. But the other stuff was so the much more serious. In, well, ser- serious off the field. This is something that's, you know, serious on the well, field. But it's not. It, it has the one thing in common it has is it's not. There's nothing fun about it. I guess other yeah. other fan bases are probably enjoying seeing the Patriots dynasty get well, tarnished. That part's sure. fun. Yeah, that's, it's just it's yeah. it's negative, and the whole season's been negative, and there's been different versions of the negativity. But right. it's been one thing after another: concussions, Goodell, the elevator, the Mueller yeah. report. Like just it's one thing after another. It's just been one of those years. I'm not convinced football is is headed toward. You know what boxing was in the 1970s. No. I don't no think way. that's happening. If no. it happens, it'll be 30 years from now. But look, look, to me, what the fans have done this year. I mean, you've got all this stuff going on between Rice and Peterson. Peterson we forgot the to whole mention. thing. Yeah. The whole thing. All no, no matter Smith. what it is. I mean, Aaron Hernandez is sitting there. Aaron in jail. Hernandez is jail. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, we got we 18 million things we we can say. But what I have found from the fans is that they they, they talk about this and talk radio. Obviously, talks about it. The newspapers cover it. And that's during the week when games aren't being played. You get to the weekend. You get to Sunday and Monday. And the fans almost say collectively, you know what? I want my football. Yeah. It's, they don't, whatever's going on over here, put it over there. Put it over there. And maybe, you know, during the week I'll think about it, talk about it, care about it. You come to Sunday or Monday, I want my football. One thing has changed with how you guys announce it now. Like if you go back, there's some of the stuff's on YouTube. Like you watch mid-2000s, some safety just crushes some tight end. Yeah. And you can hear like, whoa, what a hit, yeah, whoa. Yeah. And now it's like when that happens, you can feel the announcers go, oh, yeah. oh. Yeah. And uh, that was not – and Collinsworth might do the, oh, that was quite a hit. But let's hope he get like, – you, you can feel the concern immediately. There was a network 
the show gets edited, right? But you won't edit this out. Which network had something about eight or nine years ago? Jacked up. He got jacked yeah. up. Oh, I remember. Uh, let's see how hard a guy can get smacked. Whoa! That was the fabulous. culture back then, though. It's only but think about MMA ago. now, though. I, mean, I didn't. Think, I, did, I hate. I didn't like. I never that. liked Jack. When that when that was happening, I'm going. What? Is, that's what is that? That's crazy stuff. People maiming other people. Wait, did you do the Baltimore Pittsburgh game? No, that was CBS. The well, one, the famous one where the McGahey got knocked out and like no, three guys got knocked out in that game. No, I didn't do that one. We, we've done a number of those. I'm gonna games, say that's like were... four. Maybe four or five years ago. I remember. Yeah, we didn't do that game. Yeah. I remember watching that game and just being disturbed after and thinking, like, these guys might now be too big and too fast Mm -hmm. for whatever the rules we have in place are. Like, I'm now watching car accidents. Yeah. And maybe that was the case in 1979, Mm -hmm. but it just feels like it's too fast and too strong now. And that's part of the problem with with football. I mean, what. What are you going to do? Most of the new rules are put in, implemented uh, with player safety foremost in, yep. in, in mind. But at a certain point, you've got you know guys six three and, and two forty five running you know four point four. I mean, who's going to stop them? Somebody's well, got to hit them. And, and we we both love going to hockey games. Yeah, they've changed it in hockey in a way that it hasn't affected the hockey. They've gotten rid of two things. One is if you're near the boards but not on the boards, you can't hit somebody when they're not looking anymore. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that was how a lot of guys got hurt. Sure. And the other one was the open ice, middle of the ice. I don't know you're coming, Scott Stevens' elbow. Right. Or just the, the – in general, any sort of hit where somebody can't see you and you don't have the puck, that's mm-hmm. been wiped out. You mm-hmm. can't do that. And guys are smart enough to be able to not do it. Yeah. In football, you have these situations where the guy's coming flying in. At the last second, the receiver does this. The guy hits helmet to helmet all of a sudden. I don't know how you fix it. No, Because these guys are going too fast, and you're just going to have helmet to helmet. It's yeah. never going to go away. Yeah. That's an issue. Pass interference. I mean, again, that's not a safety thing. But what what yeah. is pass interference? They don't anymore? even know anymore. I don't know. Everything needs to be parsed and replayed. Dan, Danny Amendola scored. Uh, in that game that we did, and they stopped it to to, re- to review it. And Collinsworth and I think we said something on there. What, what are they looking at? Right, he's they in bounds by, by three it. yards. What in the world? It's like the replay official doesn't want to have to say, "Oh my God, how did I miss something?" Right. So you can't even exult in the moment. You have to wait for the official to come back on and go. You know, and yet the, the rating confirmed. And yet the ratings have never been better, the, and interest has never been higher. You know, football is not going away. I'm in the middle of how football gets televised. I'm amazed at how spectacular it is, how dramatic it looks, and especially with the technology. The technology over the past few years is, is has made this game unbelievably beautiful. HDTV, you know, the spider cam or the flying cam or whatever. Each is that what the cameras call behind the quarterback when they're that well, they, on the wire? I think ESPN has what they call spider cam. And That's amazing. I love that camera. It's incredible. It. Yeah, it's great. And you, you, you're, you can look into the, the huddle and, and you can see angles that you couldn't possibly see before this happened. Well, if and, you go on YouTube and you find a game from like 1980 or something. Think about this. And it's like, yeah. it's just blurry and there's it's three crazy. cameras. There's The replays are awful. I did the World Series in 1972. You know how the, the, the graphics would get on the screen? There'd be a black card with white lettering. And a camera would shoot that and that's how you would see the graphic. You Were know, you doing the one Pete when Rose. Campy threw the bat at Laren Legros? No, but that, I'll tell you, that was in the uh, playoffs before that World oh, that's Series. Oh, right, that's right, right. Yeah. That was I was with Cincinnati. I was doing the Reds at that time. I was the Reds announcer, 
and I got to do the World Series on NBC because the Reds had won the pennant. In those years, the number one announcer for the team would join Kurt Gowdy and Tony Kubek. Well, you get caught up to the big leagues. Uh, it, was in, it was incredible. If, if I haven't told you this story, it's in the book anyway. I get I've to, heard all your I, stories. I, I know, but this is one you, you, you may not have heard. I'm doing the World Series in 72. I have not heard this one. Okay. So we win the pennant. We beat Pittsburgh in the playoffs. Laren LeGrow, you got the Campanaris bat thing. And Reggie Jackson, in the fifth game, stole home in Detroit and pulled his hamstring and couldn't play in the World Series. And so, Oakland won anyway, 72. right? Oakland won anyway in seven games. Joe Rudy had a great series. Yeah. Gene Tennis had two home runs in his first two at-bats. You know, Raleigh Fingers was great. So game one, Cincinnati, in October of 1972, day game. Kurt Gowdy comes on. He's going to introduce me. The camera's going to pull back. I am so nervous. I am so nervous. I know what I want to say, and I'm going to take the the, the viewers on a tour of the ballpark when Kurt hands it to me. But, But all I could think about was, oh, God, oh, God, when I open my mouth, please let air come out. That's how nervous I was. Because wow. I didn't know if I could. It was insane. When was the last time you've been nervous? As this podcast started. Stop. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I never know. We, I love, it, it, this is a lot of fun. This Come on, me and Stern. You love when we, was either ne- one I was of ne- us. I, you I, never I, know I, where we're going to go. I was, never, I was never that nervous again. Really? No. Because I was surprised that Brady was nervous in his press conference. I was thinking, well, like, Brady's done five Super Bowls that he's hosted Saturday Night Live and he's Tom Brady. You're nervous? Yeah, he knew what was coming, too. Yeah. Well, he, he, you know, he knew what was coming. He knew he was going to be the guy in the crosshairs. He knew that no matter how many, you know, times the same question was going to get asked, it was going to be asked again. So now he's trying to figure out a different way to say it. That was a PR disaster. They failed him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, he had. Do your statement and then get out of there. Well, yeah. But then then you get ripped for. Take four questions. He was just kind of standing there like it was like open mic thing. Can I see the 72 Reds clip? Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, well, this is in the playoffs. And a bench to bench. Whoa! That tied the game in the ninth inning, and the Reds would go on to win the game on a Bob Moose wild pitch. Oh, I think we might have had that. Here it is. Watch this. So that was like your first great game. Well, end of my second year in Cincinnati. I got to tell you. You know, so at that point we had uh, Stephen, or you know, who, my, my son. You know, who was like two years old. So he was with a babysitter at home. Linda and I drove home from that game. We were just giddy. I'm going. I'm I'm going to do the World Series of 27. So that's why you're so you, excited. You you can take me to heaven right now. But just wait until after the World Series. Then then they can take me to heaven. Oh my! That see that was the that was the the fifth game of the playoffs, which took us to the Oakland. Oakland it was a five game series back then. It was a five game series and. I don't know if you caught it, but when Bench hit the home run to, to to lead off the bottom of the ninth, I went back, went Clemente to the fence. Was so it Cle- Clemente? It, no, it was Clemente. Oh. That was the last game Clemente ever played. He died oh. in the plane crash. Another Weird Al Michaels he, he, thing. He died in the plane crash after the, the, the night. That isn't even season. one of your top 70 crazy Al Michaels no, facts. You did Clemente's last game. I did Clemente's last game. How crazy is that? And so you were excited because the Reds won, but also you were going to the World I'm Series. Go, I'm going, I'm, the Reds are going to the World Series, and I'm going with them. What else do we have? Play another one. This is Al Michaels' roulette. You don't know what's coming next. Yeah! 
It's the Pro Bowlers Tour from 1979. You? Oh, my God. Where'd you get this? Uh, well, don't worry. You won't be on. Oh, no, you oh are. Oh, my God. It's you and Nelson Burton Jr. Junior. The Lanes, Bo Burton. say, have been in excellent condition. This is one of the highest scoring tournaments in PBA history. And when you put the players, the five Look players how interested you are in them. Single pair of lanes, I think they can get zeroed in. <laughs> You're holding that mic like this is like the Super Bowl. The last five years I, I wanted to know how the lanes were waxed. We talk about high scores. How about two days ago? Oh, good segue. Jeez. You talk about high scores. Look at John Wilcox. Look at that shirt. Looking at his style. You know what's funny? This isn't the only bowling thing you've done on YouTube. Oh, we wanted to show the graphics too. As you watch the People listening to this can't see the graphics, but they pop up just one at a time. The seventies were incredible. Unbelievable! That. Wow. Yeah. So you have. I, so the only time you're reeling right now. Well, I have surprised I, 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 I had no idea you had this. This is. This, I got. I have to get this now. It's on YouTube. Just Google Al Michaels bowling, and you've done you three things. You've done is on. Oh my God. Bo Burton. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you. Right, so, so, so I the only times I did Pro Bowlers tour it was Chris Schenkel's show, but every once in I a while I researched like, that he was he, on assignment. He was on assignment, like twice, uh, twice a, a season. He would go to like Kitzbühel, Austria, he, you know, to cover skiing, which of course was a little bit better than going to North Olmsted, Ohio, to cover Pro Bowlers tour. But one, there was, it's the only time I actually opened up a show, and just for a second I couldn't remember where I was, and I was in North Olmsted, Ohio. But I had done like three in a row. I did one in Florissant, Missouri. I'd done mm. one outside of Springfield, Virginia. So I'm welcoming people to, and I'm trying to look around, and I have no clue where I am. You know, if I'm in a baseball or football stadium, I can just you know sneak a glance. Yeah. I know where I am. You're but here I am. Alley. I'm in a bowling alley. Oh, my, my buddy God. Stone, my buddy Rob Stone, did bowling for ESPN for a couple of years, and it's like every yeah. every small town that is put it this way, not in the NFL, maybe. Well, it's a lot of, or, or it would be in a town forty minutes you're, away from right. The you're outside. Big city. You're outside of the big city. Yeah. Um, can we see the Dave Henderson Homer? You have that one. The baseball one. Baseball. Show one of the baseball ones. I, I feel like you should be Ralph Edwards, and, and this is this is my life here, right? You, these, well, these you wrote this whole book. What better way to promote yeah. the book with clips? Right. Oh, I don't know what yeah. this one is. Baseball is about homecoming. Oh, this I think is. Oh, this uh, is the earthquake. the earthquake. Can you fast yeah. forward this one? Yeah, Guidance. right. That's way to right. their first world title. Right. Little more. Part, yeah. Yes. Giants, of course, are faced oh, with a formidable task. Right. So this is you. Game right. two of the, the World Series. Game three. Game three of the World Series. Right. Game three of Candles. The first two were in Oakland. Oakland won both. Monday was a day off. You're just doing your intro. As you can tell, I've had a bad hair of life. Oh, my God. I thought that didn't look too bad. You look very Italian in this one. It's funny. Look at this. You look like one of my uncles. the lighting. One of your uncles. So I bring McCarver in. Here comes Tim. And then we're going to start narrating some tape here. And then it starts getting wonky, right? Right here? Well, Tim's going to lead into a tape of a play that took place on Sunday night. Here you go. Right. Will Clark it happens in the, the middle Giants of this tape here. Had the lead in these two games, a and could you feel the stadium starting to shake like right around here? Moore, You'll see it in a second. Not here Steinbach, yet. The Oakland catcher, but look at the tough throw that he had to complete the play with Brett Tim Hunter hesitates, and that's when and Clark. all hell began to break loose. Flash forward to the bottom of the fourth inning. Dave Parker coming very shortly. Inches, just misses a home run. 
Candy Maldonado like five, four, with the three, two, allowing Jose Canseco to score, and he fails to get Dave right about here. at second right, base. Right there. So the Oakland A's there, there you go. Take I'll tell you what, we're having a great Fade to black. Amazing. Of all things. What do you think of our documentary about it? I, this is you're, – you're Ralph Edwards. This is my, my life. I want to be here for, the, you know, overnight now. I mean, you, these these clips are incredible. How does the earthquake come in as you're about to throw it to the game? I have no like, idea. What are the odds of that? 18 trillion. It's got to be like – I, I still think one. that's the craziest thing it is. that's ever happened in sports. That's my number one well, pick for I mean, the keep, all-time craziest. It's part of the reason I wrote the book. I keep winding up in these – Places. I mean, how in the hell did I wind up in Lake Placid right. do, doing hockey? I do hockey because I'm the only guy on the staff who's ever done a hockey game. I Nobody expects one. anything from the team. Nobody expects anything from the team. You wind up here. I wound up narrating a, a Bronco chase on the freeway for ABC in 1994 <laughs> with, with, with O.J. Simpson. Right. Some of these games, Hagler Hearns, which may, may, have, been the, the next one. may have been the greatest you know, round in, in boxing history. Oh, here's Hendu. This is the 1986 playoffs. This is the Red Sox were down to their last out. Red, the Red Sox. Tri- Game five. Long way from Seattle. Who's your partner? Uh, Jim Palmer in this game. Remember, they had a three-run lead going into the the bottom of, or the top of the ninth inning. Baylor hit a two-run homer. Yep. Now Donnie Moore is on the mound. You got all the ushers are on the field already. They're on the field. The cops on horseback are out in the bullpen ready to come out onto the field. I never gave up in this game, by the way. Really? I never did. I really thought we could get him. Uh-oh. To left field and deep and down he goes back and it's gone. Unbelievable. That's a great call. I think that's your best call. Really? Yeah. Well, you're a Red Sox fan. Well, that's why I thought it was your best call. But it was unbelievable. I mean, this was like, what? How did this happen? But you narrated perfectly. Downing goes back and it's gone. <laughs> that's that's a tough one to pull off. And Hendu strained his knee, jumping up and down. Yep. So is that the fastest you've seen an arena go from super loud to funereal? Well, no. You know, I'll tell you what the loudest was. And it's so funny you mentioned this. Oh, the, the, the loudest to the quietest. It's like the... The other night, I happened to be at a dinner where Goose Gossage was at the dinner. And I was sitting next to Goose. Uh, and there were a bunch of baseball Hall of Famers there. And I did the 1980 American League Championship Series, which was the Yankees against Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I did it with Jim Palmer and Billy Martin, who was the A's manager at the time. We hired Martin to, to come in and do it. So Kansas City. You put Billy Martin on live TV? We put Billy Martin on live TV. He was pretty good. So that was best three or five. He didn't swear? He didn't. Uh, plenty. Of, well, look, I worked with Earl Weaver, too. So Would that you was say pretty, Billy Martin was sober during these games? He, he was. He okay, was. Good. He, he did a pretty good job. So we're in Yankee Stadium. Now it's game three. Kansas City leads two games to none. First team to win three goes to the World Series. The game, as I recall, was tied in the maybe seventh inning. Gossage comes out of the bullpen to face George Brett. Kansas City's rallying. Yankee Stadium is going crazy. Gossage gets two strikes on Brett and throws a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Brett turns on it. It's the loudest sound I may have ever heard in a stadium, the crack of the bat, certainly the loudest crack of the bat. He turned on it and hit a shot 
into about the fifth row of the upper deck at Yankee Stadium, where I swear to you, that ball would have wound up in Suffolk County <laughs> had it not been stopped by the stands. Right. I'd never seen a home run like that hit that hard. I'd never seen a, a fastball turn around like that. So I remember hearing, you know, the crowd's going crazy, crack, and then dead silence. I mean, they, they, everybody in Yankee Stadium couldn't believe the sound. So I'm sitting next to Gossage the other night. I've known Goose through the years. So the other night we're having some fun. I say, i got to bring something up to you. I said, the loudest sound I ever heard was when Brett turned that 100-mile-an-hour fastball around on you. And Goose says to me, it's the loudest sound I ever heard. He said, I threw that pitch, and I, and, I, and then he, you know, he, 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 he like, he's, Got he, he shivered. He said, yeah. He said, I, I, like, what? He said, I couldn't believe what happened. He, it was amazing. So, we, you know, we got a, a laugh about it at the time. But that that's What year fastest, was that, 1980? That's yeah. the fastest I ever heard a stadium go from complete raucousness to dead silence. It's almost, it's like the mute button sports moment. Unbelievable. Mute. Yep. What happened? Yeah. What huh? else do we have? So far, they're, they're, they're oh, this is, uh, is really all over See, everyone always goes with, with uh, do you believe a miracle's for you? But You're earlier on here. I, the third and fourth goals get a little undersold. Look how they slow do. everybody is, by the way. Yeah. I don't, this team wouldn't be doing well. And this is your typical cheap hockey goal. They're down 3-2, yeah. Herb Brooks with a little emotion. Yeah, there's 11 and a half minutes to go in the game. It tied the game. So all of a sudden, it's 3-3. Like, what? And by the way, that's the third deficit that the U.S. had overcome. Yeah. They were down 1-0, 2-1, and 3-2. But the crowd drowned you out for a second. What's well, yeah, the next fine. one? Well, that's fine. You got probably a Ruzioni's goal, right? Yeah. Of, on the right probably. Baldaris back of the net. Jim Craig stopped like front. 78 shots in this third period. Oh, he was, he was insane. While never going to the ground somehow. They clear it away. Snyder, buzz, long the, slap shot. 90-foot slap shot by Schneider. The U.S. team is depending a little bit too much now on Jim Craig. He's making too many good saves. Arruzioni! Mike Arruzioni! So I would argue that was a more exciting moment than when they actually won. Because well, by the time they won, it was like a heart attack. It was ten minutes of well, being yeah, well, of a root canal. Exactly. That was like just happy, happy. But you know, the game is not over, right? But it was so, like, oh my god, we took the lead. Yeah, took the lead. Exactly. It was one of those. Well, and the last ten minutes were, were crazy. The root canal, the, the, right? And the Soviets. All of a sudden, the Soviets. This disciplined, phenomenal hockey team. Uh, everything was so orderly. All of a sudden, they're skating these insanely short shifts. Guys are on the ice for fifteen seconds. They choked in that game. Well, they I took mean, the they took Shrediak out. Well, that was a bad move. Obviously, you know the the coach took best Trediak goal of all time at the end of the first period. Took yeah. him out of the game. Put this guy Michigan in the game. Thank you. And uh, yeah, and uh, and don't think we don't have a thirty for thirty about the nineteen eighty Russian team. I know you do. coming out. I know very soon. I know. I heard we're about all it. very proud of. It's supposed to be great. Yeah. It's, um, what's next? Another one you don't get enough credit for. One of the all-time great moments. Jerry Maguire. Rod Tidwell. Rod he Tidwell. He was out. Of course. He, he probably did have a grade two concussion, but we didn't know about concussions in 96. And, we, and there's Al Michaels. <laughs> with, with Gifford and Deardorff. <laughs> this is probably the craziest sports moment you've done. Oh. First no, of all, this is well, a penalty. A how about basketball? That's the craziest. Oh, yeah. Look at Barry Switzer. Look at that. Bit. It's still probably a penalty. This is now a 30-yard penalty. Rod Tidwell's dance. Right. All right, we can kill this. 
Um, but that was a great one. And, that, and until the Cardinals made the Super Bowl, that was the single greatest Arizona that, Cardinals That moment. was, exactly. It was and, number one. And they filmed it. Uh, most of the filming was done... Was it the Christmas night game? I think in nine, in ninety five we had a Christmas night game Dallas and Arizona. Yeah. So they had you know Tidwell was it not not that we did that in the middle of the game but those guys were you know getting some ambient shots and and all. Would you get paid stuff. for that one? You remember everything you've been paid for anything? That was about five thousand dollars. Much less we, than basketball. Well, basketball that's a whole other story. Well, you, mean, you 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 did the media tour for your book and that was a whole thing how you heard yeah. about Costas well, and then yeah. you demanded they more lied money. to me. Yeah. Was, that that and people say to me, "Oh, you know, how can you be bitching about that kind of money?" I'm going, "Excuse me? Why not?" No. I, I say, it wasn't that. The whole thing was it it's it's Hollywood. And uh, you know, I say in the book, I said there's there's uh, maybe there's no business like show business, but there's no bullshit like the bullshit in show business, right? Can I say that on a podcast? Yes. Uh, you can get away you with can. it. We're not going to bleep that. That's right. Is Costas your frenemy? Is he my frenemy? Is he no, he's is my your friend? friend? No. He's friend slash rival? No, no. Fri- is he your frival? No, he's not my frival. No, he's just no. your friend. There's no, there's no, yeah, we're not, not at all. No, no sort of competition. Zero. With you Bob and I, we've known each other for a long, long time. Bob and I knew each other for. Almost 25 years before we worked at the same network together. Never been a night. You guys had Zero. like two bottles of wine and started Zero. getting a little, we have a lot, a little we have, aggro no, no, with about have, who had a better career or no, nothing? we have a lot of laughs. Okay. We have a lot of laughs. All right. He's a good guy. We have a lot of fun. And we've had, you know, now we've shared some great stories together. I mean, that basketball thing is, is perfect. We, we've got we a lot of guys? mileage out of that. That's great. It was great for your brand. The Cardinals three outs away. You also announced the worst call in baseball 85 history. World Series. Oh, uh, no, but it did it get him. Get right. It did, oh, oh. Now, underrated here was the actual game winner. Which I would won. say, as, yes. as an announcer, one of the best things you could call is the guy... At home, tie game, rounding third, might score, might not, get thrown out at home play. Right, perfect. That's got to be up there. It's great. It's great. It's wonderful. You, that wasn't the best one ever, though. McDonough had the best one. The the actual, oh, just the, the play, it, the Sid Bream. Right. Just Sid Bream, a freaking right. tortoise, right, waddling around third base trying to get there. It took five minutes. Like, sure. That was probably the second best because it wasn't that close. You knew he was going to score. Yeah, but considering what had happened right. in the Denking Report. Sid Bream, it's like he's not going to score. Yeah. He's Sid Bream. He's Sid Bream. And, and, and this sent it to a seventh game. Yeah. Which Kansas City won 11 to nothing the next night. Baseball has better six games than seventh games. I don't know why that is. Carlton Fisk, of course, is, is, is number one. 86. I mean, the worst moment of my sports life. Correct. Um, yeah. Kirby Puckett. Puck. That was a sixth game, too. Right? Yeah, there's yeah. been a lot of good ones. Yeah. Show uh, the next one. We got two more, I think. The most underrated moment of Hagler Hearns. Round three. Marvin's bleeding. Again, Hagler is all bloody. Time is called by Richard Steele to send Hagler over to the ring doctor. He's calling the ring doctor in. I should mention to the kids out there this is the greatest fight of all time. And if you haven't watched it on YouTube yet, I don't know what to tell you. And Hearns was kind of punch drunk at this point. So he'd been, he'd oh, been he, nailed. He, he, he was wobbly and, and Hag was bleeding to death. <laughs> this was not going to a fourth round. No, definitely not. 
fighters very quickly. That's uncharacteristic. Hey, this was a, the rarely seen clutch boxing performance. Well, Hagler had to knock him out. Otherwise, it could have been a technical draw. Yeah. He, and he was bleeding so badly. Yeah, there you go, right here. Yep. He's out. <laughs> he's, sort of he's trying to. Look at Hagler walks right yeah. by him. That's my favorite part. It was so Massachusetts. Just walks right by him for the final FU. I don't know. I, if I had to rank your greatest sporting events that you've called, it's really hard for me not to put Hagler Hearns first. No, I, Lake Placid's first. No, and, I know. I know Lake Placid's first, but it's, God, it's hard to think that's well, not eight, first. Eight minutes. Well, think of it this way. Lake Placid's a two-week deal, even though we all think about one game. So that's a, a fortnight. I would say that's the most iconic, but yeah. you can't have a better sporting well, event well, start eight, to finish than that. Eight, remember, Sports Illustrated's cover summed it up perfectly that weekend. Eight minutes of fury. Yeah, I mean, first of all, we know that most fights start out. It's, it's a feeling out process. Yeah, the guys jabs. come, little you know, parry, and oh, where, where's this guy going? Whatever, warm. It's a warm up. It's an appetizer. These guys just came to the middle of the ring and started to kill each other. It was a bar fight. It was. It, it took me a few seconds at the beginning just to get my brain around it. What? What are they doing? Fights don't start this way. You don't start. You don't throw haymakers in the first ten seconds. But that's what they were doing. And I even I talk about it in the book that at one point they're right above me, and I swear to you, Bill, Hearns hits Hagler so hard, and I can see it, it's right above me. And and, and he hits him, and the ch- Hagler's cheek just compresses and just goes totally convex. And I thought, just for a split second in my brain, he's killed him. He's <laughs> killed him. Meanwhile, like, as in a cartoon, the cheek pops out. Yeah. Back to normal size, and now Hagler is jumping on top of Hearns. I thought Hagler was dead. Now the next thing you know, he's he's on the offense. Who'd you do that one with? Al Bernstein. It's the only time oh. I, Al and I have ever been together. And we, Bob Aram, uh, had cheated the on Alex. Uh, Alex produced it. Yeah, it still feels. No, I didn't cheat on Alex. He produced it. If Alex wasn't, <laughs> you an cheated on he Alex. wasn't an announcer in those in those years. This did you before. do Did you do Hagler Leonard or no? No, no. That's the only Hagler fight I ever did. No, I shouldn't say that. I did Hagler against uh, Tony Simpson in Worcester, Massachusetts in 1983 not, at the Spectrum. I don't know if that's on YouTube. On a Friday night. You mean the Centrum? At the Centrum, not the, the Spectrum. Centrum. The Centrum. The Centrum, yep. Let's yeah. show your greatest video right performance. Now, look too good. <laughs> 1970 Hawaii 5 right. yep. This guy needs not a lawyer. Right. Here I am. Oh, it's Al Michaels. I'm, I'm the public defender. Here I am. Dave Bronstein. Dave Bronstein. Your lawyer is okay with you. I think I'll leave you two alone. Could you stay? You sure you want me to? I think you're a hell of an actor. This easily could have been Mark Ruffalo. Just a couple of quick questions for now. I'll probably ask for murder one. (laughs) Jack Lord. Where'd this guy come from? I should have never turned myself in. Right now, that's irrelevant, John. They won't even give happened. you a front no. camera shot. No. At that point, yeah. Al, we need your back for a Hawaii Five-O episode. <laughs> I ran. You ran? This one SP caught me. One, not really. I... It's just Jack Lord. Jack Lord's like, don't show that guy. No, I, I don't him. want him to upstage me. Believe me, that was Jack Lord. 
Yeah, they're just still not showing. Yeah. Great sideburns. I though. jumped him. We we wrestled. I I tried to get the gun, and then I heard this. Words, it's this it's shot. just they're it's looping amazing. the Jack yeah, Lord yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah. Whistle past yep. my ear. So I know. Wow, no what an actor. You know, oh, there you go. You know you shot him. <laughs> I don't know. I, wow, you went, you really went to a place there. Like I said, I was... I got him off, by the way. You rattled him. I never meant to shoot that guy. You never meant to shoot him? Is that what you're saying? It was an accident? No. He's a lawyer, John. The best there is. <laughs> you're the best there is! <laughs> right! I'm 23 years old and the best there is! <laughs> It's the best there is. He's going to go on a call, a lot of amazing games, and write a book. I was just... And then then the the gun went off. Uh, He's folding now. You you did it. You you flipped him. I heard this noise, like... You just stared him down. I'm the best there is, right? We can cut this. 23, a public defender? Wow. Oh, my God. What a career. So your your book is You Can't Make This Up, and you can't make that up. No. You know, the, the, the Jack Lord story, and stop me if I've told you this yeah, one before. I haven't heard this one. So I'm working in Hawaii uh, doing baseball, and I'm on television. And so to save money, uh, the production, the Hawaii Five-0 production, they would use a lot of local sportscasters, newscasters, mm. entertainers to come in and do the small roles like that. So they would do that to save money, they not could, well, to... Well, they didn't want to fly all the actors in from the yeah, mainland. Yeah. Otherwise, they would have had to fly. So they, you know, they see me on television. Somebody calls up. You want to come down? And a lot of my you know, colleagues said that. We had a lot of fun. So I get the script, and I'm really excited about this. And, uh, you know, being the perfectionist that I am, I go through it like, you know, 18,000 times. I'm rehearsing. I'm rehearsing in front of Linda, you know, like 10 nights in a row. Now the day comes. So I show up at the Diamond Head Studios, and... When I get there, they take me into makeup, and I come out onto the set, and Jack Lord comes out onto the set, doesn't say hello, doesn't say how are you, doesn't say welcome, doesn't say hello. He stones you. Nothing. Totally. Totally stoned. Nothing. Zero. So I'm on the set, and they're getting us in a position for, you know, here we go, take one. And I have the first couple of lines. And I start to speak, and all of a sudden, Lord looks at the camera operator and the assistant and goes, cut, like that. I go, oh, my God. I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get fired. I don't know what happened. And he, he has his hand up in front of his face, and he says, I need more hand makeup. I thought to myself, what? First hand of all, how makeup? the hell would you know you need more hand makeup with the back of your hand toward the camera? Anyway, here comes the makeup lady, and that's why he, you know, cut. So he got his hand makeup. We probably took about maybe four or five takes. We got that, and that was that. No goodbye, no mahalo, no nothing. I think I got like 85 bucks for it, and that was my Hawaii Five-0 adventure, and Christopher Walken was also in that show. Think about that. You and Chris Walken, same show. Same show. And you remembered how much you made for it, which I loved. It was about 85, whatever scale was it. And to this day... Once I maybe every three years, here comes a, a, a residual in the mail for like a penny, twenty eight cents. The postage is more than the residual. So, what was the character you played? Dave Bronstein, public defender. So here, here's why. One of the reasons I want to play this, other than I enjoyed it. You know, the show's back on CBS. Sure. 
How has Dave Bronstein not come back? Well, Dave – Doesn't well, Dave Bronstein need to come back on the new Hawaii Five-0? How have they not asked you? If Dave Bronstein at 23 was the best, the best there he's is. He's still the best. Now he now yeah. he's semi-retired, but he still owns the law yeah. firm you know, in Hawaii, and he should, comes in. They should bring me back as that guy. What's the guy's name? Jerry Spence with the cowboy hat who's always on all those shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From Wyoming or wherever he is. Maybe yeah, Dave Bronstein's like a talking head. How do we head? get this done? I, that's why I'm doing it. Somebody at CBS will hear this. I'm going to call Les Moonves. It I should happen. Not, call Les Moonves. As a friend. Send him You're the right. clip. You're right. Dave Bronstein needs to be brought back. One more Dave Bronstein. Yeah. This would be great. Yeah. All right. Your book you can buy on Amazon, book, oh, bookstores, I, I everywhere. Can. It's called You Can't right. Make This Up. Right. You wrote it with John Wertheim. I did. Sports Illustrated. A very good guy. Absolutely. Always one of my favorite. Great tennis writer. Oh, yeah. No question. Super nice guy. Right. Uh, one of the few SI Who'd people. Who'd you write your defend. book with, by the way? You, you, I wrote you, it with Bill Simmons. Yeah, just you, huh? Yeah. You sat there. And well, I'm a writer. I felt like I had to write I understand. it by myself. Look, I'm, I, I write pretty well, but the problem is, I, I hey, you need somebody. I, I needed somebody organizer. Otherwise, I was going to go back and I'd, I'd write like three sentences and I'd go back. Ah, I got to change this around. But the key was the key for me was at the end of the day, after John had done the draft, I had to change some of the wording so that it, it sounded like it came out of my mouth. Right. These people know what I sound like, yeah. and so that was. That was the tricky part. Jalen's writing a book right now. It's the same thing. It's he's writing with Aaron Cohn, who was yeah, also very instrumental in helping me get the he's from fantastic. the written word to the the spoken word. He's yeah. very good at it, and yeah. the Jalen book's going to be really good. Yeah. And it sounds like him, but it sounds like a book version of him. It's which is know, good. And again, Aaron, Cohn, you Aaron, Aaron can Aaron can take it from the guy's mouth and put it into the to you know into a form where people go, hey, that's what he sounds like. That's is there that's ESPN stuff in the book? In my book, yeah. there is. You talk about getting traded for a rabbit? I, I talked about that, but I also said, well, you'll read it eventually. I thought, you know, I sent you the book last You never mailed it to me. I didn't. You mailed it. it like this week. I was going to send it to you last night and bring Evelyn Wood in to help you get through it, you know, the speed, the speed read. The I thing. could have speed read it, actually. No. And the, the rabbit thing, real quickly, you know, people may, you know, you laugh about the fact that got traded for Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. That deal was totally done. The deal was done, and then at the end of the day, you'll read it in the book. We, uh, the condensed version is we threw the rabbit in because the press was beginning to sense that there was something nefarious and insidious going on. There wasn't. Yeah. I just wanted to get out of the ESPN deal. It wasn't going to work for me. You know, John Madden was going over to NBC. For Your whole crew. My whole crew was going over, and they should have stayed at ESPN, frankly. But Mark Shapiro was there, and George Bodenheimer gave him the keys to the car. Briefly. Briefly, but enough that, you know, Madden was gone, Gadelli was gone, Esikoff was gone. He was told, I stay. Now I'm going to stay, but it's like, holy mackerel. New crew, new partner. The whole thing. I just didn't like, I didn't like where I sensed it was going. It was just not my philosophy. It's not how Dave Bronstein rolls. Dave Dave Bronstein wants to be the best. So I retained Dave Bronstein as my lawyer to get me out of the, the, look, I asked to get out of the deal. They, I said, this is not good for either of us. Yeah. So at the end of the day, here comes this cockamamie rabbit into this thing. And we said, you know what? If you put the rabbit in there. Yeah, there you go. The press will lock on the rabbit. So as I said, to, to, the, I said, to this day, people have to understand, if if you read something that says I was traded for a rabbit, it was normally written by Dopey or Goofy. Because that's not, not sure. quite quite what happened. I mean, uh-huh. the rabbit was thrown in there. It makes for a funny story. Well, I can't imagine why anybody wouldn't enjoy this book. So go buy it, You're America. darn right. Yeah. I'm going to read it. I, I, I read books. I fly through books. My yeah. wife's always amazed. But, yeah. I want you to absorb this. I'm stuff. taking this one when we finish the podcast. Yeah. Dave Bronstein, thank you very much. Yeah, Good luck in the Super Bowl with Chris Collins. Are you, are, you coming, the the way, are you coming to the Super Bowl? 
I heard you weren't. You can't, you can't do that. Just because Tyree made the catch in that stadium to cost you the perfect season. Come on, Bill. I have a lot of bad skeletons in that. It's what, you, what other bad skeletons do you have there? What what what? Has, maybe you'll get a good skeleton this time. I'm probably going. I'm probably going. I'm, what, what does that mean? I, I I my daughter's in the soccer tournament, and if they advance to the next weekend, I'm risking dad. Skipping the tournament. Wait, are they going to play a tournament the same day as the Super it's Bowl? The State Cup, and then if they advance to the next week, and then they're going to play on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, it could be the whole weekend, and I can't miss that. You know what it's like when they're going to play a soccer game on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, but I, I can't. I can't be in California and Arizona, and I, you know, take an hour to get uh, there. I, I have to. That's why I didn't say I wasn't or I was. All right, all right. And they'll probably. And lose if you this go, weekend. you'll you'll watch the game from where? where? Where would you watch the game from? Press row. Oh, stands. Yeah, it has to be. Has to be the stands. That's like you and me with, with hockey. I can't watch it from the, a press box. I, I got to be in the stands. Enjoy it, right? My daughter brought the Kings two Stanley Cups in three years. So as you did know, my, I got to stay my, 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 my grandson. Yeah. yeah. Now my son's in. He's going to be playing. He's playing hockey this year. It's you need like extra a whole tickets. thing. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. It's, it's the un- thing is though with hockey, and and this is way. Oh, we we saved this for the very end. The Kings. I don't think they're going to be – if they make the playoffs, they're going to sneak in. I just think too much has happened with that team. I think they're too banged up. And it's a bummer because you have the regular season tickets because you want the playoffs. Right. It's really like – nobody really wants to go see the Columbus Blue Jackets in December. Right. Let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, it's fun when the Blackhawks are coming in next week. That's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, we're, spo- we're, we're spoiled now, too. There's 10 good games, and we're there's spoiled. 31 that you go to because you got regular season, right. season tickets. It's, it's a fun night, but, I mean, we're, we're spoiled now because we know what the what it's like. To My friend Lewis sits right, next, right behind you and has been afraid to talk to you for, like, 10 years. It's Why? the weirdest thing. And he's a PR guy. He's Kimmel's PR guy. He's, he's Kimmel's P- PR guy? Yeah, he's PR for, he does PR for me and Grantland, like, diehard Kings fan, and just doesn't want to bother you. Because he because he knows the whole talk to a celebrity rules. He knows he doesn't want to engage. Does he talk to Jimmy? Well, yeah, because he represents us, and he represents <laughs> Dave Bronstein. <laughs> Dave Bronstein, he's the best ever. The best ever. He's, he's the best. He's twenty three, but he's already the best you know, ever. What, what you don't know, Dave Bronstein turned down a chance to be Attorney General about ten <laughs> years ago. He's at the yeah. Supreme Court now. <laughs> That's right. He's John Roberts in disguise. How could, how could he be the best ever? Twenty three. He should still be in law school. No kidding. This he skipped law school. He's so good at law school. Al Michaels, good luck with your book. No, Thank great, you. Good Matt. luck at the Super Bowl too. Thank you. All right. I'll always a there. pleasure. Okay. Thank you for downloading the BS Report with Bill Simmons. Too much fun. Check out more podcasts at the iTunes Music Store or at Podcenter at ESPNRadio.com. Peace out.